my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, today's Clark Rageous Moment, two more nasty data breaches just because of carelessness. And later, when you go buy groceries, how do you decide whether you're going to buy organics or regular groceries? And how much more are they costing you? I'm going to fill you in and what you need to know about things being labeled as organic. I alluded the other day to the possibility that we are headed towards a recession in the United States. And the reality is nobody really knows if we are headed towards a recession. There are a number of warning lights flashing that the economy here and in many other places in the world is absolutely headed in a slowdown. But there's a difference between a slowdown and having sluggish growth versus having a recession, which is where economic activity actually declines. The number of people working declines. And I am unconvinced at this time, just based on everything I read, whether the economist being worried about a recession is in fact a reality. So let me tell you what I do see. Uh, Stock markets have been falling here and overseas, and they've been falling because of the fact that it looks like companies are going to report smaller profits moving forward than originally guesstimated. Smaller profits, not that companies are going to be falling off a cliff. We've had very strong job growth in the United States for now seven years running. And the, uh, the employment reports in the United States have been really, really good. A lot of people who had given up looking for jobs years ago now are surprised if they go out and look the opportunities that are available. So it's I know there's a lot of worry because of everything that went wrong last decade, but it's a mistake to take the fact that we had this horrific Great Recession last decade and say, oh, well... The good news is over. Things are going to fall apart again. There were unusual factors that led to the horrific Great Recession, and it was because of the banking scandals. When you have a recession because of the kind of uh, criminal behavior by the banks, recovery from one is much more difficult than a normal recession, which is a normal cycle in an economy. There are tools to deal with it, but as of right now, I see that we're going to have a likelier glide path of slower economic growth, and it means that maybe the great job openings we've had the last seven years aren't as likely to be there moving forward, that the pay raises that we've been able to 
get, particularly if we're willing to be a free agent and go look for new opportunities, may not be as generous going forward. Um, On the other hand, businesses are going to find it tougher to raise prices because the economy will not be as strong maybe as it has been lately. But there's a big difference between that and having a terrible time. I mean, there could be things happen that I don't recognize or realize. But what it does mean for you is that when you're looking at making major purchases that would have you taking on more debt, that is where you need to be cautious and careful. That doing things that are big splurges that you can afford to pay for out of the money you have, I don't see why that would necessarily need to change based on the economic indicators. But committing yourself to higher levels of debt would be a terrible mistake at a time that the economy is slowing and it could potentially tip towards a recession. There are particular economic conditions going on right now that only twice in the modern era have not led to a recession. And that's why economists are buzzing more about it and people on Wall Street are more concerned about it. But I think we may dodge that. But at the same time, I want you to be careful what you do in your own life. And I want you to not put yourself in a position where you're more more vulnerable if, in fact, a recession does materialize. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Chris. You have a question for me that is almost impossible to answer, but let's see what I can do. Great. I'm glad I could challenge you. Um, so I'm trying to find a financial calculator that will factor in investments like Mar Roth and a 403B plus our pension that we've been building on through the state. And I can't find one. Yeah, you'll find calculators that will do a very good job of taking the money you contribute to investment accounts and retirement plans and be able to figure out what that will generate for you at a future date in retirement based on best guesstimate. And that's Mm -hmm. not hard. The pension part of it, that's the hard part. Because I've not seen anything that takes the X factor of a pension and does that. So it's almost like manually you have to figure out based on, and you should be able to be provided that by your pension plan, if you Mm -hmm. have so many years of service, what your likely monthly pension benefit will be at your targeted date of retirement. Can they do that for you? Yes, they do, and they give you all the five options, and and they get pretty close. It's just I wish I could factor that into our Roth investments as well. So you don't really have to, you know, when you when you start trying to figure out what your cash flow is going to be. Are you are you opted out of Social Security, or will you also receive Social Security? We'll also receive it. Okay, so uh, see that's the other X factor, and so often. You have to think about the fact you've got the pension, you've got Social Security. Social Security in the annual statement will provide you with an estimate, a guesstimate of what that will be worth per month. And so you can figure out that much. What you really do otherwise is you use one of the calculators, and all the big companies offer calculators. I like the one that Vanguard does just because I spend so much time on Vanguard's website 
but Fidelity has a very good one. And you're able to put in just the simple inputs, uh, how old you are, uh, you move this thing around, what age you expect to retire, how much you make, how much you save each year, how much you've saved already, um, and then it will help you figure out based on likely annual returns moving forward, which I would put somewhere, if you're very heavily in a stock portfolio, somewhere like 5 to 6%. Okay. Maybe 5.5% would be a good compromise number. Right. And then you'll see how much income that'll generate for you down the road. All right. Well, appreciate it. So um, the, the problem you named is why people go to a fee-only financial planner. Right. And I, I thought that might be your answer is a one-time financial planner to sit down. Yeah. I mean, you could go to a Garrett Planning Network person you know, who you can pay just a one-time fee and have them look over what you're doing, issue a report card to you, essentially, Mm -hmm. and tell you what you need to do to reach your target of comfort and retirement. Right. Well, thank you. Sure. And I, I really am glad you're doing this kind of thing because I find that if somebody doesn't think through what the goal is they're trying to achieve, it's much harder for them to discipline themselves to save money every pay period and every month to reach a point of financial security down the road. Andy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Clark? Great. Thank you, Andy. How can I serve you? Uh, yes, we have. Our family is looking to travel to the Cancun area, more specifically the My, or Playa Mujeres, uh, next January. And we were wondering when the best time is to purchase uh, flights and uh, resort uh, accommodations. So first, a, you're, uh, it makes you a genius wanting to go in January instead of February or March to a fun in the sun spot. Okay. You Thank know you. why that makes you a that genius? You in the past, actually. You knew that, huh? Okay. Yeah, because January, even though it's in the 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 window of the peak season. January usually is the bargain time of the peak season because people have tapped themselves out of vacation time and money from the whole Thanksgiving to Christmas, New Year's time period. So January is kind of like a lull for ski trips and for fun in the sun. So as to when I'd look to buy, I want to bring up something now that I hate to bring up, but I have to. You need to make sure that nobody in your group is a skittish traveler because the State Department has been issuing warnings about uh, Cancun and the Yucatan Peninsula that if you have people in your group that are nervous travelers, they may not be particularly gung-ho about going to the Yucatan. Okay, I have heard a little bit about that. So I think you need to talk through with people who'd be going because the reality is if you buy, if you book a resort and you buy air travel or you buy a package, you're not going to be able to, uh, based on, let's say, a highly publicized crime or whatever, or uh, a new warning from the State Department to be able to say, too hot to handle, we can't do this. You're going to lose your money. Okay. So that's why I would really, I, I always hate to talk about that with the destination, 
but it's a reality because I get calls from people when there will be a, a murder in the news or something like that where they're booked to a place and they'll call me and they want out or they want reassurance or whatever and I always feel bad for them because the whole idea of going on a vacation like this is to have fun and to escape the world, right? It sure is. And if you're worried about it, then it takes a lot of the joy away and particularly the joy in advance of anticipation. So uh, what I recommend is that you look at buying travel to Cancun only on Southwest Airlines since they charge no penalty for change or cancellation. And so okay. if people freaked Noting. out and wanted out, you know you don't lose a penny of what you paid for tickets. And then for the stay, that instead of booking a traditional package, that you book a property where there's a cancellation period that is reasonable, where you up to maybe a few weeks before arrival would be able to cancel free of penalty. As far as when you should be looking to buy, likely for January you want to look around um, September after Labor Day. Okay. Is going to be, which is the question you originally asked, and then I took you on this huge tangent. And I appreciate all that detailed information. But um, September, October, that's right in the window when you're going to see more offers. And because January is kind of like a lull in the travel season, you're not going to find that things are just going to be book solid. And so you're okay to wait till there are better deals in the fall is when they're going to appear. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is a clear example of why I always tell you be very careful what information you ever give any entity. You'll hear me often say when you go to a doctor's office or a medical provider or a hospital, never, 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 not ever, give them your social security number. Be careful with whatever information you fill out on a form. Just because there's a question asked doesn't mean you should answer it. Only what's absolutely necessary. Here's a perfect example in today's Clark Rageous Moment. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. Talk about an organization that absolutely does not value your privacy. Facebook, for years it's now come out, stored hundreds of millions of its users' passwords in a format that was available to any of its employees who could then go on to your account and see whatever they wanted. Now, Facebook says they're going to notify hundreds of millions of users of Instagram and Facebook, and we'll see what they actually say in those notices. But I just want you to know that's why the notice is being sent, because they took no precautions to protect your very sensitive password information whatsoever. And then the uh, FEMA folks, imagine you've been through a terrible disaster, your life's been turned upside down, and now FEMA has released extremely private information, including your bank account information to a unrelated private contractor on 2.3 million families who have applied for disaster relief from FEMA. 
FEMA, even after this has come out, based on an inspector general report, defiantly says they're not going to notify anybody of this breach of your private information. It's got pretty much everything, your addresses, your zip codes, everything they had on you has been carelessly released to an outside contractor who had no need for that information, and they don't know if anything untoward has happened with it, but FEMA has decided to keep it a big fat secret from you, and that is Clark Rages. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. So, do you buy organics? My wife buys a lot of organics for our household, but organics still remain a tiny part of the overall purchases that people make in grocery stores. Somewhere five, six percent of purchases are made of organic items. The good news is that the additional cost of buying organics has collapsed. Used to be that organics were hugely more expensive, commonly 50% more than buying a non-organic item. Now, because there are so many producers and brands competing in the organic space, the additional cost, according to the most recent data I've seen, is about 7% more on average to buy organics than to buy non-organic food items. So if you are into buying organics, know that the additional money that will come out of your wallet is significantly smaller. But there's a lot of controversy in what is called organic because most of what goes on is voluntary labeling by private organizations. And typically, the standard that you look for is USDA certified organic. That means the U.S. Department of Agriculture is willing to say that it is certified organic. Um, There's a lot of pushback against some of the labeling that takes place from different organizations, and so it becomes hard to know if you can really trust the organic label that is on the item. And that's why there are more players in organic trying to establish their brand name as a recognized and trusted brand name that you can buy that says the food items are organic. On the question of cost, there was just a survey I read a few days ago that compared Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and Aldi on organics. And what they found in the survey was that Aldi was by far the cheapest place to buy your organics, but that the selection was much more limited than it was at Trader Joe's or at Whole Foods. But Whole Foods was massively more expensive item to item compared to Aldi on buying organics. And Aldi originally was not a big player in organics, keeps adding a greater number of them And so if you are looking to buy organics, again, you're not going to find the selection that you'll find at Aldi's corporate sibling, Trader Joe's, 
you won't find as cheap a price as at the corporate sibling Trader Joe's, but in either case, you'll pay a lot less than you will buying organics at Whole Foods, because then you're not talking about 7% more, you're paying a huge amount more buying organics at Whole Foods. Laura is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Laura. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Laura. And it's great to hear you so positive and upbeat because you just (laughs) got some terrible news. Share with me. I did. I did. Well, first, I have to say, I am a longtime listener. I've been listening to you for so many years, and I love your advice. So I'm I'm thrilled to be talking with you. Well, thank you. Um, Yes. But I was uh, laid off from my job um, after almost a little over 18 years with the company. 18 Um, years. Yes. 18 years. Actually, a little longer because I had left for a year and a half and and come back after being there four years. So um, probably 20 plus years, actually. But anyway. um, Did they treat you well? Did they treat you well with severance or not really they did i i feel like this is a wonderful company um here in kansas city and they were very generous and you know above and beyond you know um you know giving me resources to help me maybe find another job and things like that so very generous so i did get a severance package so that's my question is twofold so i have all of this 401k that's with um the retirement company that this you know, company uses. And so I'm wondering what to do with that. What should I roll that into? I'm, I'm just so nervous about managing this big chunk of money. So um, in the meantime, in the meantime, you have a full legal right to just leave that 401k where okay. it is. And I would recommend okay. that for now. You have enough disruption in your life right now without okay. worrying with the 401k. And are you planning to work somewhere else? Is that your goal? Well, I am thinking, I am a graphic designer, um, and I am thinking I might try the freelance route for a while and see how that goes before I go back full-time. I am married, and my husband um, works, but he travels a lot, and we still have kids in school. Um, So, you know, just thinking about uh, work-life balance, that maybe I'd try the freelance route. So then I would have to think about, okay, how do I contribute to a 401k or an IRA now in that capacity? Well, that's easy. We can deal with that. So okay. uh, with what you've added to this, I would leave the money as it is with the 401k plan you've got okay. at the employer. And they probably advised you that you had the right to do that. Yes. Yeah. So yep. I, I would leave it behind. You have it well diversified in the plan? Um, I do. I okay. do. So I, I, I would I just do. leave it. You can't add to it anymore. Uh, okay. But if the plan has done well for you over the years and you've been able to build up a nest egg, just leave that as it is. And, and you know, if you decide to go back to work for another company instead of working for yourself and they have a 401k, there'll be a point at which you can move the money over. And that would be the easiest time. If you decide okay. only that you learn that you love freelancing, you want to stay on your own, then maybe down the road we could talk about you moving the money to your own IRA, but not a priority now. Okay, that's good to know. Now, on the question of what you can do, if you you find you really establish yourself working independently, you have wonderful options available to you on how you would save in the future. You can do something known as a SEP, Simplified Employee Pension. If you would be your only employee, 
you can do what's known as a self-employed 401k or solo okay. 401k that's very easy to set up and has a lot of flexibility to it. So okay. that's really a conversation down the road if you find that you've built up a sustainable business that you're running yourself. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. And then in regards to the severance package, um, so I have this money and since I am kind of taking some time to get established, you know, with my new freelance work, I'll need some of it to live off of, but I think a chunk of it, I'm just going to keep in savings. And so I'm looking at some of, you know, the online CD rates, which look pretty healthy, like for a year. And would that be a smart thing to do with a chunk of money? If I can, if I know I can spare it for a year. Yes, that's fine to do. In fact, I'd say with an online bank that you choose to put money in a CD, you might find you split it 50-50, that you put half of it in their online savings account and the other half in a CD. If the CD is paying uh, roughly a quarter point to a half a point more than what you can earn just in their straight savings account. The savings accounts right now are paying low twos to right around 2.5%. And okay, some of the yep. CDs are paying upper twos. So yep, that's what I was seeing. I kind of went to your list that you had um, of some of the online banks, and those are the numbers that I was seeing. So I think a 50-50 solution would be good because you don't know. There may be a need for you to have some cash. Let's say you decide in your uh, business you need to buy some equipment. If the money okay. is tied up all in a CD, you don't have that available cash to buy the equipment you might need. Or if you need a new graphics-oriented computer, you might need some funds. So that's why I wouldn't go, the the spread on interest rates is not high enough between the one-year savings account, or CD, I'm sorry, and a savings account to make it worth putting it all in the CD. Okay, that sounds good. And uh, this sounds like you have such a positive attitude, it sounds like for you, this has created an opportunity for you. It, it has, yes. I, I've been kind of looking to do something different and maybe something on my own after so many years of working in the corporate environment. So, yeah, it was a, a kind of a mixed blessing. You know, sad to leave the company that I really liked, but looking forward to the opportunities. Well, that is great. And I wish you much success, Laura. AJ's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, AJ. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. You're trying to help out a relative. Tell me what's up. I am. Thanks for taking my call. Um, So she's a young relative in her early 20s. Um, She has a young child, and she has a pretty poor credit score. Um, She's used, like, payday lenders and some other kind of predatory (laughs) stuff. And I, I, I keep telling her, I'm like, please call me whenever you need anything. Don't go to them. And she's starting to do that more and more. And so I was thinking about ways of kind of helping her build up her credit score. Um, And I was thinking about adding her as an authorized user. And I heard you the other week telling someone not to do that um, with strangers, but it might be good to do that with um, family or sometimes friends. So I just wanted to hear more about what you think about that. And also, if not that, what are some other options? No, that is a, a very viable option. You just don't give her the plastic. Okay. So you add her as an authorized user, and depending on who the issuer is, they will or will not report. You want her social security number, okay? because um, they'll only be able to report her. They need the social security number, so they can then report that she's an authorized user status 
on credit reports. But I want to step back a second. You said she was doing payday loans and all that. Does she have some defaulted debts and collections that are on her credit? I don't believe so. Um, We live in different parts of the country, so I don't physically see her often, just every couple of years. Um, But I've been talking, you know, trying to help her out for the past maybe two years now, three years. And I think she's done with all of that, but I am not exactly sure. Okay. So here's what I would give her as an assignment. You have probably heard me talk about Credit Sesame and Credit Karma. Mm-hmm, yep. I want her to set up dashboards with both of them. Okay. And say you want to help her get back on her feet with her um, credit reputation, but you need her to manage it and see what things are holding her back, what are the things she needs to deal with. And with both Credit Sesame and Credit Karma, she'll be able to see what's going on with her credit, where her scores uh, are in relative terms, and see what she needs to do, and they'll uh, tutor her on what she needs to do to improve things. And if you do add her as an authorized user, she'll be able to see if the issuer is reporting that and it's showing up on her Credit Karma and Credit Sesame. It's free for her to set those up, but the real benefit is they both nudge you in ways to improve your standing and get you thinking about what's involved and having good credit. What makes that up? What are the changes you need to make? Because mm-hmm. if she's had a bad history with credit, she needs to educate herself and motivate herself to handle it better. And otherwise, you giving her authorized user status is really just a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so I was, if she does all that... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, so with one of, which one of my credit cards should I choose if we get to that point? Like, because I have some that have been open for like seven or eight years. That's my longest, I think. And then my, or I have some that have larger credit limits. Should I do ones I use more? Or like, what should I be considering when I think about which credit card to use? I, I don't think it matters particularly, except at the margins, as long as it's a major, a Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. Gotcha. Okay. Any of those will work fine. Perfect. Well, thank you. This is really helpful. And it's really kind of you to do this for her. And I hope she takes in the spirit intended and is able to improve her financial standing because of what you're so kindly doing for her. Jeff joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Jeff, I understand from Kim, who talked to you, that you are somebody who I'm going to be very impressed with, that you actually are methodically trying to figure out the right way to spend your money on stuff you need to buy for your home. Is that true? Uh, That's correct. Thank you for taking my call, Clark. Certainly. What process are you going through? What are you trying to buy for your home? So we're going to be building a new house, and we're obviously we'll be putting brand new appliances in the house. Um, So what I've done is I've gone through the consumer reports buying guide and then the different monthly issues and looked at the different pricing and the different ratings for the appliances. And I've noticed that um, one appliance, that, let's say for a dishwasher, may get top ratings, but that same brand for a washer and dryer or a stove may get a poor rating. So I know that you can get um, some discounts if you bundle and buy all of one brand, but I really don't want to do that because I want the more reliable products. So I'm, I'm with you. Find... I'm with you completely. In fact, we have something that 
horrifies people. I don't know why, but we have one brand of washer and we have a different brand of dryer. And I don't know why that freaks people out. But, you know, the the dryer of a particular brand was rated higher than the washer of a particular brand. And well, what I want to do is find out the maybe the best time to get the best deal. So whether it's Labor Day or Memorial Day or what, what kind of sales or... So what I would do, you've got uh, you've got the luxury of time as you're going through the process of building, and what I would do is if you um, if you have alerts coming from Home Depot and Lowe's, or you don't yet set them up where they notify you of their sales, and just try to watch patterns on the sales. Uh, there's a lot of disagreement about when the best time is to buy appliances but i find that if you follow sale patterns or if you are willing to buy scratch and dent i don't know if you mm-hmm. live in a market in the country that has that the chain that's from the midwest i think appliance smart uh we don't have that all right well um there are there are these companies around the country that specialize in um in scratch and dents and returns and things like that but if you f- if you will just follow as Home Depot and Lowe's with the decline of Sears, Home Depot and Lowe's have become so important in the appliance space to track their patterns of sales and what the price points are, whether you choose to buy from a local appliance store or you choose to buy from one of the giants, you'll be able to have a better sense of what's a good price and when it's a buying opportunity to buy one now, what about um possibly going to like best buy because they they'll match any price and it seems like they have the best selection that's that's just fine with me okay I mean, you know wherever works for you and a best buy is where you feel the most comfortable buying buy there but it just may not be as easy to follow the price patterns with best buy as it would be with home depot and lowe's so use them as your marker point you're listening to the clark howard show Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.